Coming off a career year in 2022, can Quinn and Williams continue to perform at an all-pro level? The answer is yes, and we'll discuss why today on Locked On Jets. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome. This is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Thursday, August 17th, 2023, and I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com. Thank you so much for making the show your first listener, first watch every day. Subscribe to the show for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so that you'll get new episodes as soon as they're posted. If you enjoy the show and are listening on a podcast source, please give it a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube, give this episode a big thumbs up. These things help us out and help other Jets fans find the show. Today, I come to you from the beautiful village of Napatkos, Greece, right on the Gulf of Corinth. And today, we're going to continue our discussion with Michael Nania. Yesterday, Michael and I spoke about the Jets' offense. Today, we're going to preview the Jets' defense. So let's jump right into the talk about the Jets' defense with Michael Nania. Let's talk about the defense. And on the defensive line, Quinton Williams is clearly the guy. Best season of his career in 2022. So let me ask you this, and I have a strong feeling on this. Uh, do you think that that was just a career year, maybe he falls back to earth, or do you think that was the start of the ascension of Quinton Williams? I mean, I think you always have to be a little, you know, skeptical that when a career year happens like that, maybe it was an outlier. But I I feel like he's kind of been on the, you know, on the precipice of that for a while because his, you know, 20 and 21 seasons, there were flashes of the way he played last year. There were stretches of games where he played or performed just at the same level he was last year. It's just that 22 was the first season where he did it throughout the entire season, not just, you know, I think 2020 he finished strong. In 2021, he started hot, but he didn't play well for the entirety of those seasons. 22, he did that. So I think we still have to see, can he do it again? But you know, being as young as he is and knowing the talent level that he had coming out, I feel pretty confident he's going to be this good again. I, another step, I don't I, could happen for sure. I just think it would be amazing, but uh, I, I think he is capable of replicating this. But but we will see. I mean, are you skeptical that there could be no. a drop off? Or I no, think, you're not. I think, I think it's going to be great. Now, look, the yeah, numbers may not be as good, but like the numbers, you know, it was numbers were so good last year that I wouldn't be surprised if there was like some small decline. I, I kind of feel like this was just like him starting to put it together. I think, like you said, yeah. I think people totally slept on his first couple of years. I don't think people appreciated how – I think people – I think Quinnen Williams paid for the sins of a lot of Jets past defensive linemen who never got quite as good as people were hoping for. And I think like people thought, oh, it's another Leonard Williams or it's another you know Wilkerson, although Wilkerson was great for the first couple of years. But I think people had just been like so – frustrated with these interior defensive linemen who never were quite as good as they were supposed to be. And even though Quinn and Williams showed a lot of promise, people like, I think people kind of tuned it out and they thought, here we go again. I think, I just think his game is so refined where, you know, he pass yeah. rushes with the yeah. plan and, you know, he's, and that's the reason I, I think, I just think everything he does is sustainable. I don't think this is yeah. a case yeah. where like, you know, he just got a lot, bunch of lucky sacks. He just wins. And he, if if a defensive lineman stalls him, he's got a counter. And I think, look, I, again, the numbers may not be quite as good, but I think he's going to stay 
stay a great player. I think he's going to play like if if not on an all pro level, close to it. So that's that's my view on it. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And that's a fantastic point because there's there's always whenever a player has a great season, you can look at it and say, like, did he just put up good production? Like it wasn't necessarily sustainable the way he got to it, or did he get to it in a way where you can envision this continuing consistently in the future? And the way Quinnen was great this year was not guys flushing unblocked, you know, the quarterback being flushed into him or getting coverage sacks or things like that. It was dominant wins with technique for the most part. And he's always been a great athlete, but I think this year what put him over at the top is that he finally figured out consistently had win with technique, a plan, having a plan, as you said, having counters and just having a very wide repertoire of moves. I think he had all that this year and it took him some years to fully master it. He always had the flashes, but you put it all together. So those are things that you can maintain going forward and being as young as he is, the you know physical tools aren't going anywhere for the duration of the contract he just signed. So uh, I feel good that he's going to continue playing well. There's never been any indication of him being a guy who has, you know, issues with, yeah, and, you know, sometimes it comes out of nowhere because I don't remember this with Wilkerson either, uh, but, you know, he hasn't seemed to have issues with being motivated and continuing to play his hardest. So uh, I feel pretty confident he's going to keep it going. Who do you think is the second best defensive lineman on the team? I I would say Franklin Myers. I think Franklin Myers takes that right now because of his two-way ability. I think he's a great edge setter, and he also brings that pass rushing ability on the interior on passing downs. I don't think anyone else on the D-line has the same two-way ability as Franklin Myers right now, so I'd go with him. But you know, maybe this is your Johnson puts it together and makes a play to be that kind of player. Um, and then if you like passing game impact, maybe you can argue for Huff because he was so efficient last year. Uh, maybe Lawson can get back to his 2020 levels this year, but uh, I would, I would go with JFM. Do you agree with that? I do agree though. That, that, that's who I was going to choose. So yeah. I guess we're disappointing. You know, one of the pieces of feedback I always get on this show is you should bring on guests who disagree with you. And, you know, I guess we agree <laughs> with this uh, on this one. I, I think I do though. I think, I think it's just like, people are like, like I mentioned first take, a little bit earlier. I think like people like are used to like disagreeing, but you're screaming at each other yeah. trying to have like a hot take. Whereas like you can't have like a just regular conversation about where you, you make you know you make you make points in a civil fashion, which is like what right. I like to do. Um, I I think you, you hit the nail on the head though, and I, you know they didn't really use him much on the inside last year, but I think that's there this year, and I think maybe with Rankins gone this year, they'll slide him inside more on passing downs. I do think you know the guy who I think could break out is. At some point, loss Lawson generates pressures at such yeah. at such a high. There's going to be a ten sack season at some point in his career, and maybe it'll be this year, and maybe it'll be you know, with so much talent on this defensive line. I feel like it's it's inevitable. It's got to happen. Yeah, and it's uh, like there there are reasons to understand. Like, okay, maybe he's not the greatest finisher in the world because he does have short arms, and you know sometimes his technique and bringing guys down isn't the best. But it it is pretty odd to this point that. He hasn't had you know, that the sacks have been so low because his pressure is relative to the number of sacks he has is, you know, one of the widest disparities in the league. And that goes throughout his whole career. So uh, he's I'm curious to see how he does this year. I was I'll be honest, going into the offseason, I was kind of an advocate of cutting him just because I think the cap space relative to his production last year was worth it. And knowing the Jets had a lot of other needs to fill, including tackle, which they did not address. But um, 
now that he's here and I know he's coming back and, you know, he took a pay cut, I'm very excited to see how he plays because I think second year coming back off that Achilles and we know that you know, he was barely recovered going into last off season because he had the second surgery after the 2021 season was over. Um, I think there's a chance, especially still being as young as he is to uh, there's a chance for him to be even more productive than he was last year. Cause he was, he was good last year, but in 2020, I saw a guy who was like, despite his sacks, he was dominant that year. And I think he can get closer to that in the second year after recovery. Yeah, and it like it's kind of like the opposite of what we talked about with Quinton Williams. Is Lawson getting ten sacks going to be sustainable? But I feel like just like his game is just going to—he's going to run into a ten sack season at some point. Today's episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by Nutrafol. Men think losing their hair is inevitable. Take control of your hair's future with Nutrafol's science-backed hair growth supplement for men. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol's hair growth supplements use physician-formulated natural science-backed ingredients. Their drug-free, patented technology provides consistent, reliable results without compromising your sexual health. Go to Nutrafol.com men to take their hair wellness quiz. Identify causes of your thinning hair, and Nutrafol will give you a personalized plan for better hair health through whole body wellness. Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting root causes of thinning, such as stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism through whole body health. And it works. In a clinical study, 84% of men showed improvement in their hair after six months taking Nutrafol men's hair growth supplements. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter promo code LOCKDOWNNFL. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals re- recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com slash men and enter promo code LOCKDOWNNFL. That's Nutrafol slash men, promo code LOCKDOWNNFL. Let's move on to the corner group. So this is an interesting. So let me give you my theory on Jets corners, and let's see if you agree with this. Um, obviously, everybody knows Sauce Gardner's amazing. He's, I yeah. would say, he's one. We will debate heavily if you don't think Sauce Gardner's one of the top three corners <laughs> in the NFL right now. So please tell me you think he's one of the. Top I don't. Three. I don't disagree with that. No, he's Good. he's up there. <laughs> so so I, I want to call DJ Reed underrated. But then, like, I also look at Michael Carter II, and he's even, like, maybe more underrated than DJ Reed because, like, you look at DJ Reed, and it's like, okay, Sauce gets all the headlines. But then there's some spillover to DJ Reed, and nobody notices Michael Carter II is a really good slot corner. Yeah, I think, you know, both guys are pretty underrated around the league because, I mean, there are guys who made the Pro Bowl this year who are who are much less productive than Reed was this season. And that kind of applied last year, too, when he was with Seattle. Um, you know, Reed is very underrated. I think having him next to Sauce, you know, so again, I agree with you, Sauce is top three, but the fact that there is another very good corner opposite him definitely helps both guys complement one another. Um, but you know, Reed does a lot of things well. He doesn't rack up big interception numbers, and because of his size, I don't know if he ever will, but regardless of that, you know, he plays the ball great for guys' size. He's he's a very good athlete. I mean, he's smooth, he's got good speed, you know, his hops are great which you saw in the one interception he did have last year and that allows him to play with bigger guys like on that uh Cortland Sutton deflection he had who's I think he's like six four 
So uh, he, he's a lot of athletic tools. His technique is good. He tackles well underneath. So he's a very good, well-rounded player. And uh, Carter the second as well is not a guy who gets mentioned in those national discussions, but it, it really is a cornerback trio, not just a duo. I think Carter's game is not really flashy in any way, but he just, he makes the tackles in his area that he needs to make. He executes his zones really well and doesn't blow coverages that a lot of other slot corners might. So uh, he's just uh, not just as solid, but uh, he's, he's a big part of it. And we've seen a lot of bad slot corner play with the jets over, you know, prior to Carter's arrival. So we know how damaging it could be to have a struggling slot corner. And the fact that we barely ever notice Carter is a testament to just how solid he is at executing his role. The rare case where the sequel is better than the original. Um, yeah. Uh, if he didn't get the reference listening out there, that's reference to Michael Carter and Michael Carter in the second. Um, <laughs> you know, I was thinking of that read though. And, you know, like I was trying to think through the years of like recent Jets free agent signings. So like 98, they signed Curtis Martin and Kevin Mawai. So you get two Hall of Famers in one offseason, which is like one of the great free agent classes in NFL history. But so we, we can leave that out. But let's go to 1999, the year after that. I don't know if I could come off when you factor in the quality of the player, when you factor in the value of the position, when you factor in the salary. Like I can't I, I really struggle to come up with a better free agent signing than DJ Reed since 1999 for this team. Yeah, I mean, at, at least in my memory, I I think Reed's got to be up there and it's been a rough go at it in free agency. And there have even been some players who maybe had one good year, but, and you know, we'll see if Reed can go beyond that, but uh, yeah, I mean, (laughs) there's not a lot of competition there. It's, I think Reed is everything you hope to get in a free agent, a guy who, you know, was, he was a breakout player in Seattle. He showed promise. You hope he can maintain that, but he's not an established star. So, his price is high, but not superstar high. Then he comes in and he lives up to that. And now I feel like even on a, a pretty good salary, you, they're still getting strong value because he was so productive and he's young and you feel like he can maintain it. So, uh, yeah, I would, at least since I've been paying attention past decade plus, I think Reed is number one for now. We'll see if he can maintain it. Right. That, that's the key. It's always the second year. Um, then you got this, this. I think the weak points of the defense, or at least relatively speaking, are the safeties and the linebackers. And look, hey, I say this all the time. If I can only be good two spots on defense, I want to be good at defensive line and corner. And the Jets yeah. are very good in yeah. those spots. I mean, I don't think they're terrible at linebacker. I think if you know Adrian Amos plays well at safety, you know they could be okay at safety. I think it's just like a group that's that is what it is. I mean, they C.J. Mosley plays the run well. I think he knows where to drop in zone coverage. I think if you need him to match up against a good tight end, you're going to be in trouble. Uh, Quincy Williams, I, I call him like the home run hitter who, you know, hits a lot of home runs, but also strikes out yeah, a lot. Yeah. Um, and then the same thing, maybe Tony Adams will save us, but I mean, what are your thoughts on the, these two positions? Well, I think the most important thing is what you mentioned to start. The fact that look, the positions that have the most impact on defense are the D line and the corners and the jets are elite at those two spots. And I think you saw last year that, you know, the impact of those two position position groups can outweigh struggles at the other positions and still make you a great defense because, you know, the safeties last year were, you know, it was pretty bad. I would say it was one of the worst safety groups in the league probably. And the linebackers were, I think mostly was solid, but uh, you know, Quincy and Quincy Williams improved as well, but still probably average. And Quan had a good year. But, um, you know, despite 
those two units not being the greatest, I think they were still able to be elite because, you know, if you're having a great, if your pass rush is great and your corners are great, you're going to play a good defense, even if there are some occasional other issues because of uh, what's going on linebacker and safety. So I think that's what's most important. I think the defense is structured the right way and the jets have invested in the, in the right positions. They've you know put a lot of first round picks and money into that D line, into the cornerback unit, and they've trusted their development at the safety and linebacker position. So I think that's the right philosophy, but um, we'll see how it pans out those two positions. I, I like that Tony Adams has already established himself as the starting free safety because, you know, Whitehead and Amos are not ideally suited to play that role. Adams is, but we'll see if he can maintain the way he played at the end of last year. I like what he showed and we'll see if he can build on it. And then linebacker, you know, starting duo I think is solid with Mosley and Williams, but can Jamie and Sherwood match what Quan did in that third linebacker role? That's the big question there. I'm a Sherwood believer. I, I don't think I've seen, seen some concern over this, but I feel like, you know, for a number three linebacker, which is really kind of a part-time player, he's kind of a role player in this system. I don't think it's that crazy to think maybe Sherwood can handle that role. Yeah, I'm with you. I, th- I think he has the potential. Um, do you know match what Quan did last year? Uh, it's it's very curious to me why they – I thought they should have re-signed Quan because I, I really liked how he played. seemed like he was a good presence in the locker room, and I don't know why he got paid so little because it really feels like he's better than that, but – Regardless, I think, you know, Jets have a lot of guys in the staff who are experienced with linebackers, Salah, Ulbrich, especially. Both of them have backgrounds of that position and were successful as linebacker coaches. I think they trust what they can do with young talent there, and they've been grooming Sherwood for three years now. And Mosley's been involved in helping him develop as well. So I think they feel like he's seasoned and ready to contribute. I think he's a different player than Quan. He's not as aggressive or as much of a force as I think Quan showed he was last year. I think Sherwood is closer in play style to Mosley, like a more patient linebacker who uses his smarts and anticipation. Um, but so we'll see if it works out this year. I, th- I think he played really good in the very small sample he played last regular season, but um, got to keep it going. I feel like and this is my theory. Maybe it's wrong, but I feel like their kind of like lackadaisical attitude towards Quan maybe suggests that they really do think Sherwood can fill this role because sometimes yeah. like sometimes who you pursue and who you don't pursue tells you a lot about the internal improvements you're expecting. Right. And I think safety, you can say that as well with the lack of pursuit of a free safety, you know, it was a sign of confidence in Tony Adams. That's something I theorized early. Like, you know, the only reason this, the only way this can make sense is if they like Tony Adams and, it looks like that is the case because Adams is already getting those first team reps was, was benched in the hall of fame game. Didn't play, which is a sign that he's viewed as a starter. So, uh, so yeah, that's definitely one way you could look at uh, one way you could read between the lines and see how a team values certain players. And then we can just briefly talk about the kicking game to close. It's really nice to go into the season and actually be confident. Yeah. The kickers, the jets where, you know, you have more stead is back. And he's my new best friend because he was on the podcast a few weeks ago. And then Greg Zorline, who's, you know, every offseason, like I say, it's really easy. It should be really easy to find a kicker because there's always a good one available. You don't have to pay a lot of money to. And the Jets, of course, never sign, never sign any of them. And they bring in these guys yeah. who just can't kick. And people are like, see, it's not that hard. I'm like, no, they should have. I didn't say they should. I didn't say they could just sign anybody. I said they should have signed a good kicker. And then 
Last right. year, they finally signed a good kicker in Greg Zerline, and he was cheap, and he was good. Yeah, I, that that was always one of my pet peeves. Like, I don't get it. Like, there's always some veteran out there who's made 80%, 85% of his kicks or whatever, and he's just sitting there, and the Jets don't sign him. But they get Taylor Bertolette and Ross Martin and Matt Amendola, all these random guys. I guess they were trying to shoot for, you know, maybe trying to find a long-term solution, but, like, just don't take risks at kicker. And they finally didn't last season, and you know, Zerline wasn't amazing. He missed some kicks, but overall he was – he was solid. He was competent. He brings distance to the table, which is a nice asset. Uh, he's good on kickoffs. And Morstead, I think, is despite his age, he was still one of the top punters last year. And there's no signs of slowing down. So it is really nice to have no drama at the punter and kicker spots for the. And since I, I was trying to think of this, since I started watching in 2011, I think this might be the first time there's no drama at these two positions at least in terms of feeling like both guys are definitely going to be at least average i think there's something to that like they're trying to figure out the long-term solution thing because i remember in 2021 you know morstead was here when Braden man was hurt he was pretty good and i was thinking like this guy's better than Braden man why don't they just keep yeah. him and get rid of Braden man and i think they just like wanted to find the they just wanted to say we want to, we want this position settled for the next 10 years so they went with the young guy even though he wasn't as good yeah, I mean, the, the punters and kickers can go so deep in, into their career that, like, Greg Zerline is 35. He can kick here the next five. I mean, maybe because he's a leg strength, strength based guy, maybe not for him particularly, but you know, they, they, they go so old that's like, just get someone good and they can give you multiple years. All right. Well, any final thoughts? Anything? You know, you're going to be the voice of the people and yell at me about something. Any, any, <laughs> any insights you need to share with us before we call it a day? I don't think I have anything to yell about. I mean, I, maybe you're, you know, the criticisms of you bringing on people you agree with, maybe they're correct because like other than you know, maybe I was a little higher than you on, uh, on Conklin and you know, maybe I lean towards the preseason sitting guys, you know, sitting your stars, the preseason a little bit more. Other than that, we were pretty much in lockstep. So I, I don't know. I think there's something to be said for that, you know, great minds thinking alike, you know, maybe that's just how it goes. Maybe my points are just so brilliant that they're impossible. Yeah. To raise, right? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> but I did, we did have, we did get Conklin phrase on the podcast. So yeah. that's a very good thing. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Look forward to having you back during the season. Yeah. I can't wait to be back again. That's all for today's episode. Thanks again to my friend, Michael Nani of JetsXFactor.com for joining us. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day is our motto. As always, if you enjoy the show, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening so that you'll never miss an episode. If you're listening on a podcast source, give the show a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube, a big thumbs up. Helps us out. Helps other Jets fans find the show. Have a great Thursday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.